Welcome to the What Do You Do With Your 24 podcast. From 24 Attire, I am Ty Rickstrew, and my guest today is Dustin Polium. Dustin is a television producer that has been involved in build television for over 20 years, doing shows from a- for ABC, Fox, Netflix, HGTV, Discovery Channel, Magnolia Network, Peacock, Animal Planet, and many others. He's also been slowly growing his family ranch into a treehouse retreat and venue and hope to have it fully up and running in the next two years, which will probably be when this podcast finally airs. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Dustin. Hey, good to be here. Super happy to have you on. Um, we were talking before and you said you've never done a podcast before. So I have not. Neither this have is... I, so it's going to be new to both of us. All right. Hey, we can't go wrong then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We won't know. <laughs> that is true. It'll just be natural. <laughs> That's right. Um, so whenever I was having you on the podcast, I was super excited because um, like following uh, since we've known each other and stuff like you're on Facebook, but as far as like a social media guy, I feel like you kind of fly under the radar and I was pretty excited to finally get you like sat down and talking to you about everything that you've done and everything you've accomplished. Um, so I'm super excited about it. Yeah. So, I'm excited to be here and, yeah. and you nailed it. I definitely fly under the radar and mm-hmm. try to have no radar whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. My goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you won't post on Facebook for a while. Then all of a sudden I'll see a post from you and it has like 400 likes. <laughs> and I'm like, you're the only person that can't follow social media rules, but still get away with it. <laughs> and I love it. Well, that's good. Cause I didn't even know there was rules. So following yeah. them doesn't, you know, yeah, exactly. It's almost impossible to do. Well, that's it. I guess that's why you're probably winning is cause you're not following the rules. <laughs> that's and that's right. also one of the rules <laughs> is to just like do what nobody else is doing. All so right. I like it. Um, so, I kind of wanted to start a little bit about um, how you got started in TV um, and kind of tell us that backstory of getting started in TV and then we'll kind of dive in from there. Okay. Well, I uh, started on the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition. I worked for a local power company and the uh, the show was coming to town and um, so I started working with the location manager and trying to work with logistics and, you know, these are all guys from LA that, you know, are trying to get stuff done in Kansas and, and weren't having much luck. And, um, to be honest, we, me and the location manager hit it off well. And I said, well, show me your list. Show, show me what you have to get done. And I think in a matter of two days, we had his entire list done that he had been working on for three weeks. And so we, we created, you know, a really good friendship and, and rapport and, and, you know, from there, you know, he basically any of his next shows that he was having trouble with, he would give me a call and, Hey, what are the chances? And same thing, you know, within days we would have, have all the issues solved and, and, you know, I kind of grew to love that challenge of, of having, you know, taking a huge national television show into middle America that is not used to television and not used to everything that comes along with it and basically bringing the circus to town Mm -hmm. and doing the impossible, you know, building a brand new house in five days. And, and, you know, really it was the most challenging thing I had ever done. And, and it really is what got me addicted and, you know, and I've just been doing it ever since. So that's awesome. I feel like as far as your story goes, getting into TV is like not the normal way that people get into TV. It It is not. I, <laughs> uh, although I will say on, on our show, it, it was kind of a, it, it kind of was a different show in that we traveled the country and by traveling the country, we would then meet the best of the best, the best mm. 
designers in Kansas, the best, you know, carpenters, the best electricians. And, and in that, you know, we would, we would kind of pick up people along the way and, and really more on the design and art team, you know, we would, we would find designers that were just amazing at what they did. And we would, you know, it's easier to teach the television side Mm. of of any of our jobs than it was to start fresh with somebody in TV and make them a good designer, make them a good carpenter. And so we really did, I would say, you know, that crew was 125 people. I would say, you know, the majority of the time, 20 to 25 of those people were people we had picked up um, by being out on the road and, and, you know, being able to handpick pretty much the best of the best. So that's incredible. I didn't I actually didn't know that story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a very unique. I feel like it's a super unique way um, for shows to run. Cause I feel like whenever people watch it and like pulling back the curtain a little bit, it's like, no, that could be you. Like if you just, you know, were really good at your trade or whatever you did, like, and then you just kind of learn the TV side. And I feel like that's what a conversation I've had with a lot of people is like that being able to just be a normal person on TV, but also teaching people like the people you see on TV also don't have it figured out. Right. And I like having that story a lot too. Of like, and I'm sure you know that even more is like, no, it's usually just a shit show out there. And you know, for the most part, when it comes to like how the host, cause everyone always sees like the host of the show and they're like, man, these people are crazy and awesome. And, and then it's like, they're just a normal person just like you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And really one of the, one of my biggest, biggest challenges that I have, learn to master is that I am never in front of the camera. Yeah. Unless something's going really bad, <laughs> you will never see me in front of the camera. And it's, it's strange. It's just not, uh, it's, it's not that I'm uncomfortable and it, it's just, it's never, you know, I did some shows that I was in front of the camera and it's just not what I enjoy doing. There's, mm-hmm. you know, what you don't see are the hours of just standing in front of a, a camera doing interviews and answering questions and then going back and doing voiceovers. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, the, it's the tedious part that I really, I would rather be out solving problems than, yeah. than creating my own problems in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. Have you always had the crazy work ethic that you have? Because I know the time that we've worked together, just being the first one on set, the last one to leave, and then also, like, especially when we were on Treehouse together, it's like, it, I don't even know if we'd want to call it, like, the dust and magic, but it's like, <laughs> we'd show up and just, stuff would be done. And you're like, what's going on? First of all, I'm here at 7 a.m. How long have you been here for? <laughs> that Mountain Dew just must be fueling you. It, it does. <laughs> I, and, and I will say, I, I have always had it. I, I think I got it from my father. And, you know, he kind of instilled in me that, you know, if you, if you want to try to figure out how to do something you can figure it out. And, and, you know, he went to work all day long. Then he came, he came home, took care of animals all night long. And so he was, you know, he was a 12 hour a day every day. And, and I think, you know, I just grew up with that. And, um, and, and one part of being on the road away from your family, away from your kids is that I looked at it as, listen, I'm, I'm out here. I want to, do the absolute best I can do. And, you know, but, you know, I, I have a job to do. And if I'm, you know, in Maine, then, you know, what else do I have to do but work and, and be the best that I can be at while I'm at work. And, and I just never, 
I, I never thought about hours. I always thought about jobs. So, you know, I'll look at, at knowing, you know, when I build a schedule for a show, I know it has to be done by Friday. So in my brain, I set goals for, okay, that's got to be done Friday. So I'll know where we're at on Wednesday. So if it's not getting done, either I need to get extra help or I need to help. And so it's more less about making a goal for every day and every four hours and more about knowing the goal at the end of the week and knowing when you're ahead or behind and knowing that you can never get the first of the week back. Mm-hmm. You can, <laughs> you know, the as much as you want to think you're ahead, you can still never get yesterday back. So if you work an extra two hours the day before, even though you think you're eight hours ahead, you work an extra two hours and in your brain, you're 10 hours ahead. You can always relax for 10 hours on the last day, but you can't always create 10 more hours of the last day of the week. Mm. And so it's, it's being able to, to see that in real time and really work at that, that uh, quite honestly is, is what I've got good at. It's, mm-hmm. it, and it's, I tell people, I train a lot of project managers and build producers and, and it's not, it's not the fact that I'm just very, very good at what I do. It's the fact that I've already seen the problems that you are going that are going to come up for you. Mm-hmm. And I I can't train you in you coming out for 10 days and shadowing me. Yeah, I can I can give you the basics and I was like, but I can't train you for every mistake that's gonna come up, mm-hmm. even though I I know what's gonna happen and I know how to account for it, doesn't mean I can train build producers and although there's hundreds of of reality build television shows there are only 15 good build producers really and it's unbelievable to to really see how the good people do it Mm -hmm. and and those people are you know they're they're just such a you know they're a unicorn they're they're very difficult to find. And when you find them, you don't let them go. Mm-hmm. And so they're my always my go-to calls. And, you know, once production companies figure that out, they also don't let them go. Mm-hmm. So those, those 15 people are never looking for work. Yeah. And the only time I can ever get them is if I am begging them and say, listen, I've got a show coming up in six months that's going to be challenging for all of us. And used to be a part of it and that they have the same kind of work ethic and drive that I do that like, all right, this is going to be the most challenging show that's ever been done. I want to in on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just finished a show like that on Netflix and it's, you know, extreme makeover was build a, build a new house in five days. So, you know, Netflix wanted to go bigger and better and faster. And so, you know, of course, how, how do you do the whole thing in 24 hours? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's, you know, it, it's bringing, you know, it's done by having the right team put together. And, you know, I will say one, one aspect of that show that I was a little disappointed that got changed after we originally pitched the show is that the original pitch of the show was following the six months of works that it takes to do that in 24 hours, mm-hmm. following it from day one, from the time casting picks the family and we start designing and building. And I mean, we, we built their entire house in a warehouse and a sound studio that 
that we replicate their house and redo every room so that we've already done it. We know it. It's been staged. It's been designed. Okay. It's been... And that's the only way to do it in 24 hours. And an original pitch was following that entire process, following the 150 production crew members, the mm-hmm. 200 carpenters and electricians Jeez. and plumbers. And, and it was following that whole process and then, and not really having, you know, the, you know, quote unquote stars mm-hmm. and, and kind of it, it turned out that Netflix, you know, it's also a major show that they need to be able to market and they need somebody to send to the Emmys and they need somebody mm-hmm. to send. To, and so, you know, it, it, it did end up changing and, and following, you know, s- some stars and some hosts that, um, that the show itself still turned out great, but it just, I was really excited about seeing the back end part and the behind the scenes part that I think America then quite honestly to me it made the show more believable mm-hmm. like if if you watch i can watch the show and not even believe we did it like yeah. <laughs> and i'm like there's no way like mm-hmm. and so to be able to, if we could have really showed that whole backstory you know america would have bought in and just believed that wow that okay now i get you know mm-hmm. sure they did it in 24 hours on camera but it's actually 6 months of constant work to make that happen and so yeah. Um, so it, it, it is, you know, you know, to your original, you know, my work ethic is, mm-hmm. has stuck with me and, you know, my, my kids have it and, uh, they've got the drive and, and, you know, I can see it getting passed along and I, and, you know, like when we've worked together, I, I think it, it passes down to the people that watch you and, and Absolutely. cannot figure out are you actually going home or do you really live on set? And, and I think it's, it's something that, um, I just, uh, I wake up every day thinking that, you know, I, I know what needs to be done and have just really created a way that, you know, gets me through the week knowing that I do have deadlines and, and Mm -hmm. stuff that have to be met, but I don't, make it so stressful on myself that every hour of the day I'm just stressing that, Oh, I'm behind, I'm ahead. And, and it, you know, it really does lead to, you know, a less stressful week, a less, and, but still, and it also gives you the time to know, Hey, I can't do this myself. I've got to have help. And, Mm -hmm. and, and when you call in extra help and, and when you think you do or don't need to, and, and so, it's just something it's, it's a learned trait and I'm glad I, glad I have it and, mm-hmm. and hope, hope it never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, me too. <laughs> but I feel like, no, I, I definitely agree with the whole, like it's definitely getting passed down. Cause I know like for me being able to watch you, especially, and you know, whenever we first started working, I think the first show we actually worked on together was in 2014 on Treehouse for the first time. Um, but then just seeing you whenever, obviously we came to extreme, uh, whenever I was in high school and seeing all that, but I think it's definitely passed down. And what has also stuck with me is like, it's thankless work a lot of times. So I know you're doing a lot more than what people see. And I feel, I would, I would imagine for a long time, you probably just busted your ass and like people maybe didn't recognize it as much as they do now. Um, I'm just guessing because I think that's one thing that is super cool about it too, is just like getting it done, going for it. And it's like, I'm not looking for you to notice it. I know I need to get it done. And if you notice it, cool. But like, if not, like, I'm just going to go ahead and get it done. And that's one thing that I try to instill as well is like, 
just doing stuff because it needs to get done, not for any sort of recognition or right. someone, you know, patting you on the back saying good job. Yeah. One, one <laughs> of the harder things to train and, you know, a good, a good build producer is willing to do whatever needs to be done, whether it's build a custom table or whatever. And you have to build that custom table knowing that you also have to do it in a way that we can bring in talent mm -hmm. and make it look like they <laughs> built that custom table. Yeah. And, you know, I have, you know, in, in 20 years, you know, I've, you know, you never will see me build anything, mm -hmm. but I can look up and see the thousands of amazing things that I know I've built mm -hmm. that no one will ever know. <laughs> yeah. But you just, you just learn to, you know, take the pride in the fact that nobody knew they didn't build that. Mm -hmm. And that means you did your television side of the did job. It, yeah. Great. And, you know, so it's, it is a challenge. And, and I think that's one of the, one of the things when friends or people come out to set and they visit me like, Oh, well, wait, why are you building this? I, I, I thought they built that. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, <laughs> and, and it, it's not a knock on, on the hosts or the talent or mm -hmm. it's, they simply don't have the time. Yeah. I mean, looking back at extreme makeover, everyone's oh Ty Pennington this and, and you know, did he do it? No, he didn't get to do most of the things and mm -hmm. he is a carpenter and he wanted to do them. However, we needed him in another state or we needed him on the bus and we needed him filming and doing interviews. And, and so it's not a matter of, he just wanted to take the credit of of what it's just him being an actor and saying these are the 10 things we have to get today mm -hmm. and you know because of that you are just gonna have to step in and be a carpenter for seven minutes during this <laughs> seven minute period mm -hmm. and then two days from now another seven minutes and in those 14 minutes you have to build this entire set and so it's it is a challenge and it's you know it, it really is you know the making making the projects and the talent look good at the same time is is a balance that you know you really do have to just you know put away your ego and mm -hmm. and just get the job done yeah just get to work yep i like that what is what do you think has been able to keep you going for the last 20 years cuz i would say even like i don't know i think i was in tv for 6 years and it was just like it was draining i mean i would say it's probably in my adult life, probably the thing I've done the longest was actually being in TV for six years. But then from there, it's like, I just feel it's just incredible for me to see guys like you um, and people in other careers that have been doing it for so long and still seem to have that fire in them to want to keep going and keep doing what they've been doing, and what they're really good at to have that motivation to put in those, you know, everyone else is doing their eight to 10 hour, 12 hour days. And you're out there with your 16 to 18, you know, for the last 20 years, how do you keep that going? I think it's a lot of it is both you know, pride in, in, in what we're turning over as far as television shows. And, but it's also, you know, I could never, my, you know, daughter being a teacher, I could never be a teacher. I look at that and think I don't have the patience, the, and, but it also somewhat is in that looking back and there are so many people that I've helped bring up and help train and are now, you know, I have, I have, people that were production assistants for me 18 years ago that now is the owner of, you know, the Zeus network. And mm -hmm. now is, and it's just unbelievable to see how well people are doing. 
And, you know, it's, you know, kind of looking back and it's like, okay, you know, I could never be a school teacher. I could never, but, you know, I, I am having, you know, my hand in advancing the lives of a lot of people. Yeah. And I take a ton of pride in just seeing how good so many people are doing. And, and one thing, you know, that I really will look at you as the same and that coming in and, you know, television is, I, you know, really look at it as that it's 80% work ethic. If you're willing to show up, put in a hard day's work and figure out what part of the production you're good at, you can be in television for as long as you want to work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's neat to see like, you know, kids from Mulvane and Derby and, and, um, uh, Clearwater now that have all worked for me and all, and, you know, some are still in TV, some are out of TV, but I think everything they took from the years of working in TV have either made them better at, at whatever their career they're in now, or I've got, you know, a couple that are still in TV and, and doing fantastic. And, mm -hmm. And so it's it's neat to see, you know, Kansas being represented out there yeah. because of, you know, the help I was able to give. So absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been to almost all 50 states now because of, you know, that time that in high school, whenever we got to come to extreme and then you told the entire class that was there, like when you guys turn 18, you know, hit me up. And I turned 18 and I graduated. I remember I graduated in May and I texted you and I'm like, hey, I'm interested in doing <laughs> this thing. And you're like, all right, sounds good. I'll let you know whenever I can get you on something. And then I go, did a Cake News internship over the summer, and I'm like, this is stupid. I do not <laughs> want to do this. I love Cake News, but, you know, the news just wasn't for me. Um, and I was working full-time at Sears. Um, and then you texted me, I think it was in, like, August or September, and you're like, hey, there's a show coming to town. It's only three weeks of work in Kansas City, but if you, you know, I can get you on it if you want. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I remember I went and talked to my manager at Sears. And funny enough, I had just started at Sears, and I was – selling enough stuff that they're like, yeah, no, you can go for three weeks and you can come back if you want to, which was just super funny that they're <laughs> like, you can come back after you go do your TV show thing. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And I remember I showed up in Kansas city and I got like a sketchy three week extended stay hotel. I paid my own way to do it. And cause Alicia and my mom came up and like saw me and they stayed there too. And they, I remember they found needles in one of the rooms <laughs> and I'm like, this is the grind. I have to do it. I have to do it just to get through all this. And then I did three weeks of work and then they're like, Hey, we're going to Omaha. You want to come with us? And I'm like, absolutely. And then from there, it's like, we're going to LA. You want to come with us? And I feel like that was like the best thing to get in on um, was one that crew like at this point is like, was like family. Right. Even if I only worked with on bar for what, a year and a half. And, but it's obviously everyone from there came from extreme and everything. Right. So, but I still talk to those people to this day. One of the first producers that I had, Devin was a story producer. Now he's um, back in post high up doing something i had him on the podcast and nice. we were talking i was talking to him about how like he was one of the first producers that i met that even though i was the guy getting the coffees and getting the trash he was like super kind to me and he just kind of stuck out as the person that like wasn't too busy to shake my hand and figure out what my name was as a pa um and i feel like as a pa in those days you definitely that sticks out to you a lot of like who are those people that are willing to at least say hi to you when right. you're 18 and trying to figure out figure it out <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no, I feel like um, to go back to like my original thought is like being able to get that and then stay going consistently um, for six years. And then now I've helped people, you know, so now it's like even another 
layer down of me helping people try to get on TV shows or be able to figure out, you know, hey, get on staff me up and do this. And then they're starting to kill it and go off and do stuff. And it's wild. And the people you meet along the way, because there was a guy that I met that was a PA with me and he's a producer on Grey's Anatomy. And I'm like, just seeing him on Instagram and I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that it's just cool to see kind of how fast, one, how fast people can just go from being kind of the low man on the totem pole to like just shooting up and then you just see him and you're like, oh, you you have an Emmy. That's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it is definitely an, and, you know, kind of goes back to that work ethic. People, you get executive producers that you, in you know, impress and when they get their own show, they want you because that's the kind of people they want around them are dedicated, hardworking people. They, they can turn you into the producer they want. They mm-hmm. can't just take Joe producer and make them have good work ethic. Yeah. So I'd rather have somebody that has a good work ethic and, and shows up and has zero, you know, schooling or, I, and you know, I can, I can teach them how to be the producer I need them to be. Mm-hmm. I can't teach them work ethic. Yeah. And so, um, that makes sense. Yeah. And it kind of, I forgot where I was going with my thought, but, um, to teach that work ethic, I remember we had our first, like back in September, I called you before I got to go to bar rescue and you're like, figure out where the home depots are. If you're not five minutes early, you're late. <laughs> and like, you told me all these things and like, those have stuck with me, um, working on shows and going through it to where I was like. I feel like I came in and I was a PA that people were like, what's this guy doing? Like, where did he figure this out? This is his first show. And I'm like, I got the cheat code. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got the in on how to do this real quick. And that has stuck with me. Even, you know, I remember my time going into law enforcement is whenever I was working long days and stuff and people were just like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I remember one time I worked 18 days in a row or 21 days in a row, 18 hour days every single day when I was on bar rescue at one point. And it's like, this is a cakewalk. We've been here for 12 hours. (laughs) This is nothing. We're just getting started, you know? Um, And I feel like that's one thing. TV will definitely make you, if you, you either have the work ethic to stick in it or you're not, you're just going to get burned out. Yeah. It it does make a work week relative. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people (laughs) think, oh man, I, you know, I'm this nine to five is killing me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, is that your part-time job? Like what's, (laughs) what do you do the rest of the time? Um, But but yeah, it's, and, and you kind of nailed it with the family part. I've, you know, worked with so many people that, you know, there, there, there's not a state that I can go to that there's not somebody I've worked with and mm-hmm. somebody that, um, and so, you know, I do try to, if we're, you know, if we're traveling and we're going to different States, I do try to reach out to the friends or producers and I try to hire, you know, I've, you know, we actually have different extreme makeover was such a huge beast that, that we have, you know, a very big network. And so anytime we're going to other States, we, we try to put it out there. Hey, we're, Mm -hmm. we're going to be in Maine for five weeks. Is anyone looking for work or have Mm -hmm. anyone that needs it? And so, you know, trying to keep everybody working and, and, you know, and it really does. It's, it's, it's a, it creates a family that you, that you want to talk to mm-hmm. and that, you know, you know, just like, you know, having people come out and, and work on my ranch and, and they want to come see how it's doing and work on it. And, and it really is like nice to bring your work family into your home life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my kids growing up, they had, 
they had family in every state, you know, they, mm-hmm. we traveled <laughs> everywhere and, and every year, you know, they had the option of, you know, if want me to stop traveling and, and, you know, they always, I had so much support from home that it was, you know, the only way it was possible to be honest yeah. and, and being gone so much and, and, you know, now that I am getting later in my years and have a grandson <laughs> and, and it really is, you know, kind of my shift to getting the ranch built up and getting mm-hmm. the retreat built up and, and not, you know, not having to be on the road for 10 months of the year. And, yeah. you know, I've cut that back to being on the road for five months of the year. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully several years from now, take that down to, you know, one month of the year. And, um, do I ever think I'll completely get out of it? I, I hope not, to yeah. be honest. Um, I, I like, I have a skill skill set that I'd like to pass on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so even if it's through consulting or training or, um, you know, I really do hope that I can continue to do, to do that and yet have, you know, my place at home that, you know, we can, you know, it's always just been my getaway oasis forever. Mm-hmm. And now that it's like, you know, when people come and they think, man, this is unbelievable. I had no idea this even existed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, initially that was the point I, you know, (laughs) I wanted it to be just my personal oasis. And, and now it is like, you know, you get to that point where you want your friends and family to enjoy it. And then you want, you know, and then, you know, it leads to the ability to be able to be home. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, it is coming full circle to, you know, so much time being away to, to paying off to, you know, yes, I've learned how to build tree houses. I've learned how to do yurts. Yep. I've learned how to do all of this. And now, you know, I've been doing it for other people for 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. now it's like doing it for yourself just adds, you know, just another, another level of, of just, you know, joy in doing it mm-hmm. and knowing that, yes, I, you know, still spent the same 18 hour days working on this, but now when that's I'm done, <laughs> I, I get to just enjoy it for the next, you know, 30 years. So yeah. that's awesome. So what is, what is uh Pulliam cattle co and Treehouse retreat? Like what's the, what's the, so it is basically, it's my, it's my, my family farm that, um, now, um, me and my wife Devon have moved out there and, and we still have cattle. We have longhorns. We have, um, in Highlands, uh, Scottish Highlands. And so it's, it's part, you know, a cattle ranch that we, you know, breed and, and, and sell cattle. Um, but it's also the treehouse retreat is, you know, we now have, we currently have three tree houses that, um, eventually will be rentable. And so you can, you know, rent them basically Airbnb style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also um, a venue area, so we've we've held several weddings. Both my daughters have been married out there, and so we've really been working on dialing in for small weddings, outdoor, you know, in the forest weddings that you know people people dream of. Think, okay, how can I have a fairy tale wait? fairy tale wedding? You know, basically that's what I'm after creating. Yeah, and you know, never. It's not the 
you know, huge million dollar barns that, uh, that people are getting married in. Mm -hmm. it, it is more a small forest fairy tale type wedding or ranch style wedding. And, and, you know, it's, it really is, you know, you've already mentioned that I'm not the huge social media guy, but it's, I, I guess I would say I would, I want it to be as Instagrammable as possible. Mm -hmm. it, like everybody <laughs> think every photo that's taken is a wow photo. Yeah. That's really what I want it to be. So mm -hmm. what's the eventual, like what's the big picture look like for, for you with Pulliam Cattle Co and Trios Retreat? So big picture um, is basically ending up with five or six tree houses, a couple of yurts, a couple of teepees, and then potentially hobbit homes, you know, basically okay. You know, if you can think of a unique retreat, it's there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people can, you know, families and, and you know, don't, you know, want to spend the money to go to travel, up, but they, they have a weekend that they just want to get away. You know, this is, you know, right in Mulvane, Kansas. And you can, as soon as you're down in the forest and down by the water, you really, you have no idea that you're three minutes from the casino and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, 20 minutes from downtown Wichita. And, and so it is just a little, you know, it's letting everybody else enjoy the oasis that I've been able to build and enjoy myself. And so, um, you know, the big picture is maybe, you know, maybe 15 weddings a year mm -hmm. and then just, you know, doing, you know, having the ability to people come out and stay and, and, you know, always will have cattle, always, you know, will have the animals out there. And, um, and so it really is, is something that will in the end goal lead to me being able to stay home and enjoy my ranch and, mm -hmm. and, you know, put in 18 hours a day for myself and for my ranch yeah. as opposed <laughs> to, you know, for, a, for another company. So, yeah, that's awesome. So you have these tree houses, you have the yurts and the teepees eventually. What's the, uh, like what else can you do out there? What other fun stuff? So we have, um, so some of the different ranch hands that we have, you know, they have, and, and they call it grooming time, but people can come out. Everyone loves our, our Scottish Highlands, which are the fuzzy cow that everyone are just <laughs> crazy about right now. Mm -hmm. And you can come out, we have bottle, bottle calves. So they have to get fed. Anytime you will stick a bottle in front of them, they will eat. So they, <laughs> um, people come out and can bottle feed the calves, um, grooming the calves in the summer. They love to be shampooed and, and they, um, they are just, you know, enjoy have the people doing the grooming as much as the people, you know, enjoy being with the cows. And, mm -hmm. and it is a, it's a, it's a funny thing. Like I, I look at cows and have looked at cows as just work, you know, they, and, but when people come out there, they are very relaxing and just enjoy their time with them. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, um, you know, people can feed the cows, play with the cows. Um, and then there's, we have trails throughout the forest. So people can just do their nice, easy trails and go hiking and, and, you know, hike all around the property. You can, you know, pretty much hike as long as you want to hike and mm -hmm. stay in these trails and stay safe. And so, um, but it really is a spot for people just to go out, unplug and, you know, you can sit in the treehouse and listen to the water flow and listen to the birds and, 
and yeah. and just enjoy yourself and so it really and it, at the same time i have had people that rent them out to just to go and do get their lessons created or or oh, get okay. for three days and just get all their homework done and in a quiet peaceful place that you know like i said you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere but you also have you know cell phone coverage from every carrier that there is yeah. so it's <laughs> it's you can choose to be unplugged or you can be as plugged in as you want to be so mm -hmm. yeah i feel like that's one of the most unique spots about like things about it is you don't have to have a four by four to get there like you can drive your toyota corolla right up to the front door and basically be ready to roll and then you can get immersed in nature and be you know unplug but then you can quickly get back out of it and you know go hit the casino or go to a restaurant over there if you want to or something like that which i think is probably one of the coolest spots for being a unique retreat to be able to get to be able to go to yeah i will you know 100 percent agree with you and that you know we definitely have built bigger better amazing treehouses on treehouse masters but you have to drive for hours to get to them, mm -hmm. hike who knows where, <laughs> jump on a zip line, mm -hmm. and then, you know, and then still hike to get to it. Where these yeah. you can, you know, like you said, you can park within 50 yards of them. And and once you walk over the hill and over the dike, you're really, it's like, you know, walking into a different world. And, mm -hmm. and watching people's faces the first time they ever go down there is, is you know, just something I enjoy and that knowing that you know, I've built everything that's down there, you know, mm -hmm. with my own hands and, <laughs> and, you know, so very, very proud of that. And, and, you know, so being able to see people enjoy it is, you know, brings me pleasure as well. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you've been able to take stuff that from working in TV and all the stuff that you've done and then be able to leverage it kind of for your, your own life and stuff. And, um, what would you say is the best part? Like, going into building your first treehouse, how was that versus being the build producer on treehouse masters? I mean, I know you're super involved, but I kind of want to hear it from you is, you know, was it a different challenge to kind of take it on yourself or were you like, I've done this enough that like, I pretty much have it figured out. I, I, the challenge was honestly, you know, I did treat it like a television show and then I did all of the drawings. I did all the, mm -hmm. everything <laughs> that I would do for another, for, you know, an episode, I, I did everything. And you know, but going into it also knowing, you know, I want to build these off of stuff I've collected. I have windows from, you know, my grandparents' house. I have, I have okay. all these poles from, so I, I working into all, all of the, you know, stuff that had a lot of meaning for me. And when I built it, you know, it wasn't like I knew I was going to be building five more. Mm -hmm. So he's like, <laughs> I'm trying to pack everything into this one tree house thinking, okay, this is, you know, because we already we did already have another treehouse at the time, but this is you know more of a a show worthy treehouse, and so yeah. I you know I at the time I didn't think you know would I'd build more, mm -hmm. and so I really put a lot of thought and you know into you know how can I make this my retreat you know, mm -hmm. and I wanted you know a separate bedroom space, a separate living space, a kitchenette, a separate bathroom, like, and so you know getting to design it. For yourself specifically while working in all of the things that I knew, you know, that I cared about that I wanted in it. Um, and so it was really enjoyable. And then I was able to bring in some of the guys from Treehouse Masters to help mm -hmm. build it and work on it. And, you know, some also good friends from other shows that came in and worked on it. And, mm -hmm. and so it was, 
you know, kind of full circle of like, you know, Hey, you know, everyone, they say, Hey, what time are we starting? I was like, we, well, we'll start when you show up, you start when you show up, this is, you know, this is vacation mm-hmm. for you. Like you're here helping and wanting to be here. Yeah. And you know, it was still, it didn't matter. We, everyone was still there first thing in the morning and, yeah, of course. and we worked and, and, you know, had a great time doing it. And, and it kind of went f- full circle to the show. Like, Yes, it, we were doing the exact same thing we were doing for TV, mm-hmm. but it was all for each other and for ourselves. And it, it didn't feel like work, you yeah. know, it's and so, you know, now I'm I want the rest of it to start feeling that way. You know, mm-hmm. I will treat every wedding, every event, everything that happens out there will be treated like a full television show. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the end goal. I know how to create the perfect show. Yeah. Now it's just working backwards into making each one of those events that perfect show. Mm-hmm. And you know, the people that they come out there, they they you know, some may or may not know I'm a producer or that you know, I've produced several weddings on TV and I know exactly what we put into <laughs> them and and yeah. now I've produced weddings for my kids that were mm-hmm. on the actual ranch and and so you know, it's really very similar to just producing a television show. It's yeah. um, so everyone else that's really stressed out. I, I'm able to just eliminate that stress on myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and do, I already know what problems are going to come up. I know mm-hmm. you're going to tell me a hundred people are coming and 140 are really going to come. <laughs> and, and so it's like, it's like dealing with those as, as you go. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you know, the wedding part of it is honestly kind of taking the place of the day to day challenge of of the TV show. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm I'm just producing a wedding in, instead of a television show. Yeah, I feel like the first wedding that um, I went to out there, it felt like I was at a resort in like Cancun. <laughs> like whenever you go to those resorts, it's like how do they have this all figured out? Like there's doves on the bed and there's stuff everywhere. And it's like, this is just a well-oiled machine that's just been running and people are just working hard. And it's like, whenever you show up to the event, it's like everything is thought of. It's not just like the bare minimum. It's not like going to a ranch wedding that you're like, I, you kind of have an expectation of what it's going to look like. Um, and then you show up and you're like, Oh, this is like everything. And then you start looking around and it's almost that being like Disney world. Like, you know, when you go to Disney world and there's Easter eggs everywhere, that's how it feels. Cause then it's like, Oh, I see your logo down here on a piece of wood that's been burned into what? Why is that on a trash can? Like it's just like taking those those like the cherry on top, but then putting like tin cherries on top to make it like a really well, like just seems like everything is thought of. It just feels like it's like a super high dollar, you know, production that's been put right. on. And I love it. Yeah, and, and that is one thing with weddings. I mean, and I'll, you know, people have their own very own, you know thoughts and what they want their wedding to be. And I just let them do their thing. And, yeah. and, but if they ask me, you know, for my suggestions or, or help, you know, and you know, it, it's, it's so easy to, you know, go the extra mile and, and spend, you know, a couple of extra hours doing things that even, you know, they didn't realize would be done. Mm-hmm. And then it makes their day even that much more special. And, you know, and I don't want to be a, you know, a venue that nobody can afford. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yes, I want your pictures to look like it was a million dollar wedding. Yeah. I want that in every wedding. <laughs> and and so there are some things that are like, listen, I really think you should do this or, mm-hmm. and, and, but 
you know, it's weddings are expensive and, you know, having two girls, I, I know it. And, <laughs> and especially having two girls get married during COVID, yep. like it was a necessity almost. So, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be that unattainable place. Mm-hmm. I want to be, I want the people that see the place, fall in love with it and just want to be there. That yep. That's who I want to put my time into making their special day unbelievable. So mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Now, my next, one of my questions I was going to have for you was like, are you going to miss TV? But I feel like I'm kind of answering my own question as we get going, because it's like, you're kind of just transitioning into just a different version of it. You know, being able to just take it to where the viewer at home gets to really, really enjoy what's happening. And now it's just each person that you get to come in contact with that gets either, you know, staying at the tree houses, getting to come and see the cattle or, you know, having a wedding, they're going to be able to kind of have that like experience as if, you know, they were getting a show produced almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and honestly, you know, to answer your question, I, I think I, I will miss it. Mm-hmm. I will miss, I, I won't miss the travel. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not a big travel guy. I have basically already told all shows. I'm not an international guy. I'm not going mm-hmm. to Norway with you. It's not happening, but, <laughs> um, but I, but like you said, it's it's still being able to basically everyone that comes to our ranch is like they're coming to my TV set. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's they're getting, you know, they look at it as something they've never been a part of. And TV is that, you know, when you travel the country, you know, that's why I do very little work in L.A. I yeah. I just don't enjoy it. I, I'm not a set guy. Mm-hmm. I you know, it's I'm, you know. 90% of my work has all been travel shows and it's, and it's, it's just, you know, also works into doing what you're good at. You know, I'm good mm-hmm. at working with city governments. I'm good at, at, you know, finding what it takes to film the TV show in your town. And, 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 and I think people quickly recognize work ethic and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, I'll get, I should have a saying because I have a belief that you, you always should be one of the smartest people in the room, Mm -hmm. but, but the other people in the room should always feel just as smart or smarter. And where it works, where, where I really see that and, and it has worked for me for years is in the build process of permits. Mm Mm-hmm. If I go into a city office and I'm, I've been doing this for 20 years and I've been able to do this and I can do this and, and you know, we <laughs> you can give us the permit. I, I know you can, cause I've done it before. Mm-hmm. It, it never, that is never, I've watched the guys try to manhandle their way into a permit and it has never worked. <laughs> and, but if I walk into your office and I say, Tyler here, I'm the build producer for the Magnolia Network. All I know is my boss told me that we have to build this and we have to start in 14 days. You, you're going to have to save this ship because you're going to have to tell me what I have to do in order to make that process happen. This is, this is your, your baby and I would never be able to figure out without you how to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And if when they are putting in their input and their knowledge, 
they, they become invested in the show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's then their show. It's their yeah. baby. And, and honestly, it is. If you make this happen, it is because of you and 100% you. Mm-hmm. Keep your ego in the truck because an ego is not going to give you a permit. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and so it's learned. Like, you know, it's, it really is making, making people around you feel important and be important, mm-hmm. not just feel important. Yeah. And, and when they do and they get invested, then, you know, you, you have another ally, another coworker, another person that just wants your show to succeed. Mm-hmm. Whereas they really have no reason to other than now they're invested. Yeah. And so it's, you know, definitely one thing that, that citywise is, you know, is, and it, it's happened over years and years of just sitting at the table with them. And, and, you know, one, once you can get them invested in your show, you have a way better chance of your show being a success. Yeah. So did you learn that through, uh, some sort of mistake? No, I, (laughs) I, I learned the not to strong arm from one specific person that, I worked with for several years, but I was only in the same city meetings with him three times. And it, he basically taught me the way not to ever do a sitting meeting. You know, it was, it was strong arming. It was like, Hey, we just left Ohio and they did all of this in two hours and for free and do this. And, you know, so, you know, if your town's not as good as Ohio, then, and it just backfired oh, every time. And so, <laughs> I mean, I definitely learned what, how not to approach those city meetings. Yeah. And, and so, um, I, I've, you know, one of my scariest moments was very early in my career, uh, being in, in the city of Chicago and I was under a location manager and she got very sick, hospital sick the night before our city meeting. And so for me going from never have hosted a city meeting, like myself as a manager, of course it can't happen when I'm in Rose Hill, Kansas. It Mm -hmm. happens when I'm in Chicago proper, (laughs) Illinois. And it was, it was the scariest 24 hours of my life. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just like, throw you to the wolves and you know, here's mayor Daly. And, and so it's, um, you know, it, and it went well, and and awesome. I think so. It's you know, it's it's always a process, and you're still you're always learning. But mm-hmm. um, but showing people respect and and making them feel part of the process is never gonna go wrong for you. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, whenever it comes to like, I feel like Chicago, especially, I'm sure they've had those kind of meetings. It's like your first time doing one, but they're like, yeah, we've had a lot of stuff come through, and you're like. But I know what, like, trust me, <laughs> this is going to go great. <laughs> yeah, that, that show brought several good stories to my career. But um, it was, I had never dealt with aldermen. This was the first time I really, and we were trying to close, and I'm just going to say a 10-block area. And in that 10-block, there were 35 different city officials alderman and 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 just everything you could think of Mm -hmm. that i had to get approvals from and and in this city meeting one of one of the people that i ended up you know getting to meet and have to work with was barack obama Mm -hmm. and i had no idea 
who Barack, nobody knew who Barack Obama was at that time. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, looking back, it's like, man, I probably should have given that a lot more attention. <laughs> but at the time he was just one of 35 people that I was dealing yeah. with in city government. And, and, uh, and then actually from the, because as a location person, we were, we were in there months ahead. And mm-hmm. so from the time that that actually happened to the time we filmed the episode, that he had actually come out and announced that he was going to be running for president. And, and then asking about being on the, the episode. And then at that point is we would have had to have give him time, give the other person, whoever else was running time. And it, mm-hmm. it just, it was, you know, about WWE wrestlers, not, not presidential candidates. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, you're like, you want to get in the ring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so yeah, I've, endless number of of stories and and you know like you said been to every state built a home in every state i don't think there's many people that can not only say they've been to every state but actually built a home in every state Mm -hmm. um is is something that there's only probably a few people that have been involved and were with extreme makeover can actually say yeah for the entire (laughs) entirety be able to do that as well yeah that's awesome so what do you think um, is some of the best things that you've done, like time management wise, to be able to fit everything in that you're doing and be able to have like, you know, these shows going, you have permits you're trying to pull, you're trying to, you know, wrangle your crew and the TV people. And I think I think I heard you say this one time is like the best part about your job is like you're really good at wrangling the, the like crew of like carpenters or the guys that are just there that are really good at their trade and the TV people and kind of bringing them together. But how do you think you have managed all that time like what are some of the best things that you could tell someone you know be able to manage your time i I think the hardest part of managing time is is allocating jobs out i'm like once you have those people around you you trust Mm -hmm. it that frees up your time more than anything um knowing that you know i can say you know, Randall, take these five guys, go do this. Or, you know, knowing that, you know, as far as the budget goes here, you know, send that to Christina, take care of all of this budget and, and knowing having the crew around you that you, you can trust and, and are able to allocate time that it not just gets it done, but it takes it out of your brain. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the worst. i there's only, there's only a certain amount of brain space that I have at any given time. <laughs> yeah. And if I, if the back of my head is running the, about the seven things that I know are going on that someone else is doing mm-hmm. and it, it, it's affecting the five things that I need to be doing and focusing on, then it's really, it's really not helping. Like I'm, I might as well just wait and do that myself mm-hmm. as opposed to having it being worried about it. And so it's, it's probably what I'm also the worst at. It's at, <laughs> you know, at delegating responsibilities and being able to accept the fact that it's going to be a little different than the way I would have done it, yeah. but it's still a hundred percent acceptable and gets our job done. Mm-hmm. And it's, it really is probably what I am worst at is, is delegating and just letting go accepting. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I've gotten so much better over the last 
five years, um, you know, I, I don't want to micromanage anyone. I don't want anyone micromanaging me and mm -hmm. I don't want to micromanage people. And so I want to hire the people that I know I don't have to. And, you know, I, I can judge people within the first two days of work if they're going to work with me a year from now or six months from now, mm -hmm. simply by how they manage the instruction they were given. Okay. And, you know, having the patience to train it, if, if the end goal is there and I can see, okay, this person's going to be fantastic because of X, Y, and Z, but we're really going to have to work on these three things. Like mm -hmm. my patience level is, is twice as much because I already know this person's worth investing the time in. Yeah. As opposed to just having a crew of 50 people that, 45 you're not gonna see in an, in a week yeah it's like you know it actually takes me more time to try to show you what to do and then worry did you actually do it than just doing it myself yeah. and so it really is what do you think you are know, some of like the most important traits that you look for whenever hiring someone because i've kind of had those issues whenever i'm trying to find people to hire and work with and you think they're going to be that way because i hate being micromanaged um and so i've I've also found that sometimes I hate micromanaging people so much that I don't even manage them. And so I'm trying to find that nice balance. But like, what are some traits that you think initially when you're starting to work with someone that you're like, oh, this guy has it or this gal has it? I, I think I think the very first thing that you can that I can judge people is their level of organization. If they're an organized person mm -hmm. and this will sound like a crazy way to judge someone's <laughs> level of organization, but if they have good handwriting, they're probably going to be a good employee. Okay. And, and I, I don't know the correlation with it, but it's if, if, and I look at it almost if, if they're writing on the label that you are organizing off of mm -hmm. and it's perfectly legible and easy to read, that person has done it before and knows, okay, I got to be organized and I got to be able to read this. I don't want to waste my time trying to figure out what were, what did I write here? Mm. Like, you know, I've, <laughs> I've got multiple employees that I refuse to even look at their timesheet because I have no idea what it says anyway. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> I, I know that it's, it, it does me no good to try to say that your timesheet is correct. Cause I don't even know what you wrote. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and so, it, like, organization, I think it goes, you know, good handwriting. It, it's strange, but it always... I like that. I that's, can tell if, you, unique, if somebody it's, it's hands cool. me something in perfect handwriting, you're, you're hired and you're probably <laughs> going to do well. Yeah. Um, but organization, for sure. Um, if, you know, they show up and, you know, throw their backpack in, in the corner and, and have to go back to it six times when they're working at a desk, like... They come up, they unload their backpack, they have their all their stuff laid out, they know where they're at. Like you can just judge organization. Same with carpenters. Okay. If carpenters show up with, you know, with a tool belt that has the nine tools they know they need, and you know, they don't waste their time going back and forth to or asking, hey, you know, where are your tape measures? Where where are your squares at? You know, they already have them. They you know, they know they're going to need them every five minutes. So th yeah. they're on. Them. And so organization, I think it is key, good communication 
And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, not the best communicator. Um, and kind of along the lines you just, you just mentioned of just lack of management because of not wanting to micromanage, mm -hmm. you know, it, it literally, you know, I can remember days where I'm just thinking, man, I'll, I'll just, whatever goes wrong in this 12 hours with these five people that are working, I will just fix tomorrow <laughs> because it's not worth my day today mm -hmm. to work with these guys that I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And I was like, I, you know, I'm better off just sending them home and starting over tomorrow with new people. Mm -hmm. And so it is a, it is a challenge. That's the travel challenge of having to start with new crews every show. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, organization, I think is my first, you know, real key of, of hiring the right people. I like that. I feel like it's super hard to find people nowadays. I feel like the handwriting thing is unique too. Cause I feel like no one writes anymore because everyone's going digital for everything. So yeah. it's like, um, I need to fix my handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I think I'm one of the only ones that still write cards. And I'm also as old school. Well, when I started, of course, in TV, you had, we had to make maps for everything. So mm -hmm. I was a location manager. So so on set, if we went to 35 places, that means I made 35 maps for Jeez. production. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you got your call sheet, you would get your call sheet and a map for every location that the call sheet said you were going that day. Oh man. So that was, and it's just like <laughs> thinking like, man, can I, the, I could, I could make all these maps and nobody would have any idea how to read them. Mm -hmm. Like, like, well, I've got my phone. Why, why do I need like, mm -hmm. and so it like the, the change of, of even equipment and just what you have access to now is, is really unbelievable. And, and, you know, there's looking back at some of the stuff that we used to film and, and, you know, watching an extreme makeover from 20 years ago, knowing that we could produce that whole thing with, and have it look way better with an iPhone today is <laughs> it's just yeah. unbelievable. But yeah, that's one of the first things I learned was, um, I was working in Des Moines with on uh, Weston Salvage, which is like an HGTV show um, with uh, John Rutland was the DP on that. And we were driving around one day. I was the AC and we were doing B-roll and we were talking about like camera gear and all these things and like how having the eye for something is way more important than like what the actual photo looks like or what the actual camera gear can do. And the example he gave was like, he was taking photos of his daughter with his wife and his wife had his, his 5d Mark three at the time. And he had his iPhone and she was like, why do your photos look so much better? And it's like, cause I just have the eye for it. Right. Um, and it was super cool. Like kind of talking to him and stuff. Cause he, he now, um, he went on, he left that show actually early to go be the DP for one of the paramount or the, for paramount, um, pictures. And he was shooting one of the paranormal activity movies and it was like an eleven million dollar budget movie, and he was the DP on it. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> nice work. Yeah, but he had the. It was just I, that conversation stuck with me of like, it's not always about the gear, you know. I think a lot of it has to do with being able to just be able to be a storyteller and use use whatever equipment you have to be able to leverage that for what's kind of in your brain already. Right. So, I feel like that's kind of hard to learn though. So, well, what. Uh, what would you urge listeners to do with their 24? Um, I, I think really 
being able to just maximize your week. Like, even if it's not, you know, I, I don't think, you know, the answer for everyone is, is getting up at 5 a.m. And, and having half a day's work done before nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's figuring out what makes you most successful. If, if getting up early and going to the gym, you know, starts your day, then that's, that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, if, if waking up, if you're more productive at midnight than you are at noon, then wake up at 10 in the morning so that you can be working and effective at midnight, mm-hmm. finding the sweet spot of, of where you are the best you. And, and knowing that, you know, if it is at midnight, then you, you don't need to be 12 hours into your day, you know? So maybe, you know, you, you shift your entire life around to, to focus around that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is, is around kids. And if you have kids and you know, they're in school, then your day is dictated by knowing, okay, I have these hours available. Mm -hmm. How can I be the most efficient with these hours? And, and I think it's really learning what makes you the most effective person. And, you know, for me, I, I am an early riser. I, I like to be up and, but, you know, I also want to use every minute of sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> when, when you're waking up at, at, at six o'clock and then you're also wanting to be outside still working at nine o'clock, it, you, you're just putting your body through, you know, the challenges and you need to know how to, you know, how to best take care of yourself. Everyone, everyone's body is different. Everyone Mm -hmm. is, you know, I've never worked out a day in my life. I've never, (laughs) never happened. Um, I don't drink water. I was about to say that. (laughs) Your body is a whole different. There are many things that, you know, are, are different, but it's what works for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll work with these guys that are in the gym three and four hours a day, but by the end of the day, I can carry six more two by fours in that can. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just knowing your body, knowing what makes you effective and efficient. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I would, I'm, I'm not good at setting daily goals, but I'm good at okay. setting a weekly goal. I'm good at saying, okay, by the end, you know, make it Friday night. Every night, you know, my my wife and I go to dinner every Friday night. Mm-hmm. And so my goal is, okay, Friday at five o'clock, this list of four things has to be done. Uh, so starting Monday, I know, okay, these four things have to be done. If I get them all done on Tuesday, then I'm done and I can move on to more things. But mm-hmm. I do have that deadline of these four things. And... So it, it, it's like anything. If you if you put a deadline on it, a true deadline, that whether it's you know the easiest one is Christmas morning, you have a deadline of Christmas morning to have all of those toys put together and wrapped. <laughs> and if you miss that deadline, you missed it. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's putting a hard deadline of yourself and not just like okay, I, I didn't get it, I'll get it next week. Mm-hmm. Put a true deadline on yourself. Non-negotiable. And then it's it really is. It, it helps you. And because if you do, if you know, man, I'm just not feeling it today on Tuesday, then, then you rest, you get good. And then 
you know, you know that Wednesday you're going to have to pick up the slack for Tuesday. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but if you don't have that deadline, then it's easy, you know, to kind of for that to snowball of, of, man, I'm, you know, whether it's feeling sorry for yourself or, or what it is, you, you know, it's, you just have to stay on top of, of your own thoughts, your own body. And, and by giving yourself deadlines weekly or myself, it, it, it helps me really judge the week, judge how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And, and also, you know, it's, uh, for, for me to not have the structure, if there's the structure's not there, then I'll, I'll end up doing parts of 20 projects yeah. <laughs> as opposed to completing four. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's what those deadlines and being on the ranch and having that really does is like, okay, these four projects are on my deadline or else, you know, there's a hundred projects out there. I, I can do 20% of a hundred projects and mm -hmm. next week feel like I did nothing. Yeah. And so it's, it really is just keeping track, keeping yourself motivated and, and then, you know, just working to those goals. And then you feel good on Friday. You're like, all right, man, done. Mm -hmm. Episode <laughs> finished. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> as, as opposed to if you just do 20% of 10 projects by Friday, you're like, oh, man, I still got 80% of all of this to do mm -hmm. as a, you Don't know, and so you're, you're just not getting that, you know, that the payoff of, of all the work you did all week. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that is probably the one, one thing I would, I would say to people is, is setting, setting an attainable goal, setting a goal that you're not going to get to is more useless than having a goal. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and, and, and that's from learning yourself, knowing yourself, knowing what you can accomplish, set the correct goal. And then, and then you can get there. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a very unique way to look at it. And I feel like talking about the gym a little bit, how you're like, I've never been in the gym a day in my life. I think it's so unique, the work ethic you have, because a lot of people that I talk to that have even been on this podcast and I've talked to them, when I start asking like how their day looks, most people are, you know, four or 5 a.m. I'm in the gym, you know, and then I'm doing this, this and this. And it's like very unique to see someone that's like, no, I'm just out there working. <laughs> like I'm just getting after it. And I like that a lot. And I feel like you're not the kind of guy that like gets up and makes a cup of coffee and sits on the couch and like open, like is like kind of waking up for the day. I feel like you just like wake up in your work clothes and you just like, <laughs> you just like get to work. Yeah. I mean, my wife doesn't, doesn't let me wear boots anymore to bed. So yeah. I do have to put those on. But I, I, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. So oh, yeah. I've tasted some of Kako's coffee. Did you ever work with Kako? But, mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I've never, don't drink coffee. I don't, um, you know, Mountain Dew's my, my vice. And, mm -hmm. and so it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a guy that needs a lot of motivation. I, I usually can just get up and, and get to work. So I like that. What do you think is more important, discipline or motivation? Um, I, I think it's, you know, for answering for myself, it's discipline. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've never had the, a motivational, you know, issue. Um, it's the, it's more the discipline of staying on task, staying, um, 
and not not so much honestly when i'm home with the ranch i i know what i've got to get done i have those goals it's when i'm in the field staying disciplined to that specific show where i might i might be working on 10 different shows mm-hmm. and staying disciplined to not lose track of of one show that might be you know just because it reveals a month from now is so is on my back burn, burner uh, i really have to stay on top of those cuz you know like i said before you you don't get yesterday back mm-hmm. so that you know that week that you lost thinking oh it's 4 weeks from now we're all we're just fine you don't get that week back mm-hmm. and so so for me staying you know on top of of everything that that's going on is more difficult for me than the motivation to have the drive to get up to do it all every morning. Mm-hmm. So going into, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about um, like being a jack of all trades, master of none. Like what, what's kind of your thoughts on that? I, I, I think I look at it somewhat differently in that I think finding what you're good at. If you're good at something work at perfecting that. And so, you know, no one's ever going to be perfect at anything, but if you can, if you have a skill that you, you know, are, whether it be carpentry, whether it be an electrician, whether it be Photoshop, whether, whatever it is, if you work at mastering that skill is going to be more beneficial to me than being average at 20 skills. Mm-hmm. If if you come to me on set and and I say, what are you good at? And you list 20 things. After five, I quit listening. <laughs> and I was like, well, you can't be that good at all of those. Mm-hmm. You know, if you walk up and say three things, I'm good at this, this, and this, I'm going to say, okay, I need that done. Go do it. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to, you know, the jack of all trades is is good in that you can help and assist, but I think trying to further yourself, trying to pick those three things that you are you know you're good at, be great at them, mm-hmm. and then then you're you're set apart from everyone else. You know, there's there's tons of people that are good at a lot of things. There's very few people that are great at anything. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are really good at something get to that next level with it, be great at it. And, and then when people ask what you're good at, it, it's the answer is easy. It's like, I'm great at this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say that in, in myself, like, I feel like I'm a great build producer. I'm great. If you need your show finished on time and on budget, I'm your guy. I'm great. There's no one better. Except Dave Bowler. Dave Bowler's better. <laughs> but if but if I'm also I'm good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like that list of what you're good at is like, yes, I can be a carpenter. Yes, I can be an electrician. Yes, I can be a, a plumber. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can, you know, X, Y. But I'm just as I'm just average. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you can pick what you're good at and become great at it, it's worth the time to put into it as opposed to picking up something new and becoming good at it and then something new and becoming good at it. And you have a list of 20 things you're good at, but nothing you're great at. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have somebody that's great at two things 
than somebody that's good at 30. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I think it's an awesome way to look at it. And I think that's a way that I've never really looked at it. Um, But it definitely makes sense, especially like getting into like um, an example that was given to me when it comes to like marketing and stuff like this is getting this is going to get off topic a little bit. But like people were always like, um, if you are going to get into marketing, you should pick a specific niche that you want to work with because then people will know that you market for that person and you can speak to that person. And I feel like kind of what you're talking about is almost that exact same thing. Like, what are you good at and what is going to be your thing so that when people need something fixed, they know to come to you. Because if you're average at 20 things, then they might not even think of you to be that person. Because like if there's a someone hiring for a build producer out there, they're going to think Dustin. But if they're hiring for, you know, a carpenter and you've said you're a carpenter or plumber and all these things, they're just going to kind of be like, Right. Wait, wait, who do we go for? And they're going to think of that carpenter that is that carpenter. Right. Um, and my example that I gave is I posted on Facebook one time and I said, who who needs digital marketing for their small business? Nobody responded. Then I posted and said, does anyone know a real estate agent? Does anyone know a travel agent? Does anyone know, you know, a plumber? And I had 80 to 100 plus comments of people suggesting people because people are starting to think that's who I, re- like, they don't think of a real estate agent owning a small business and needing marketing, which they do, but they think of it whenever you say real estate agent, they think of their friend that has put themselves, this is what I do. Right. And I think that's a super awesome way to look at it. And one that is definitely recently, I feel like I've taken on and been like, starting to see it and not want to be kind of the jack of all trades and be like, you know, no, I, I can't do that, but I can do this really well. And just being like, that's your role. Do you think part of that comes from working on TV shows and having it be so departmentalized and people being like, you are the assistant camera. You are the camera guy. You are the audio guy. You are the carpenter. You are this. You think part of that comes from that or do you just think that's how you've always been? I think it, I think I, I do think part of it comes from TV. Part of it comes from TV in one aspect of TV that I honestly is really one of the main reasons I don't do set shows and scripted shows and is is because the the whole atmosphere of big set union shows is so different in that it's not that people don't want to help each other it's that they cannot help each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like you are not the you know if you're not a grip, you you can't plug in that extension cord. Mm-hmm. Yes, I understand you're hot and you need that fan to run, mm-hmm. but we're going to have to wait 20 minutes for the grip to come over here and plug in that fan, even though, yes, we could both just reach down and plug it in. <laughs> and and so it is very compartmentalized, very job-specific, very to where you know the difference in reality TV is, is you're almost expected to, to do that it's mm-hmm. you know the 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 crews are smaller you, you do have to do more things but you know i i think tv did kind of help show that you know being being good at your at specific items in the long run definitely helps you know it's i'm or being great at two items being a you know the word producer is, is you know, every is just there's 30 producers on on a show and nobody knows what a producer does. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get a, you know, a story producer that is good, that is just a great story producer, you, there's no question about what they're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, if I'm interviewing and like I am, I am great at game show producing. You know, it's very specific, very, mm -hmm. you know, designers. I am great at, you know, at, at super modern. If they, if they can tell you exactly what they're great at, then I'll remember, oh man, we have this super, this whole episode, super modern. I'm calling Taika, you know, because mm -hmm. she said she was great at this. So it's, it's, it, you know, having that answer of what you're great at, it, it does get you into that niche that you where where minds build TV. You know, mm -hmm. I'm I'm not good at the cooking shows. I'm not good at being on a sailing ship. You know, I'm not mm -hmm. good at naked and afraid. But <laughs> you know, a build show, I'm great at. Mm -hmm. So if if you need a producer for a build show, you're gonna think of me. And yep. and so it's I it's funny to think about now, but in 20 years, I've only probably got three calls for shows that were not construction television really, or movie, you know? And so it's like people know. And when you're mm -hmm. going after somebody, you go after them because you know what you want. Yeah. And, and so being, being, you know, really driven to be great at that one thing lets people know what they're going after. Yeah. That's incredible advice. And I feel like going back to the union thing is I worked on the one union show that came to Wichita, the 24 hours to Helen back with Gordon Ramsay. Uh -huh. um, and I was a PA on it. PAs weren't union, but everyone else was. And I remember uh, in the grip truck, they had left something out for the night and we were wrapping up. And I think it was just me and like the production manager on set. And I was like, well, you want me to just put this in the back of the truck? And like, no. <laughs> and it was the first time I'm, I'm used to like reality TV where everyone's like, you know, helping everyone out. And it was a weird time. And then I was like going and talking to the ACs there. And after being one and the guy was like, not one, he was like gatekeeping all this information and like not talking to me. And I was like, this is weird. This is not what I'm about. Cause I, I love started to realize that like, I love that world of like reality TV, get after it. You know, everyone's helping each other, smaller crews. Um, but I feel like one thing I have noticed is like, one thing I want to talk about is like, I feel like you don't put the expectations of having to work the super, super long hours on the rest of your crew. So how do you kind of manage that? I I mean, kind of the same way as putting goals on myself, kind of putting goals and expectation on my crew. And, and I'll, till the day I'm no longer able to work there, I won't ask anyone on the set to do a job or a task that I wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And, and I think they'll see that I'm, you know, on any given set, I probably pick up more trash or as much trash as any PA. I don't, and it, it isn't, you know, to me, it, it's not, I, I, there's no one that's above anything. Mm -hmm. And it's a difference of people having the time or ability. But like, if I'm, if I have the time and I'm walking by something that needs done, instead of me calling to get it done, I'll can get it done. And, and it really doesn't matter what that job is. And, and so it's, um, you know, the expectation of, of crew, like by showing them what I'm doing, I'll know that when I need them for 14 hours, I can do that. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I wanted to stay them to be there for 12 hours because they're 
day said they were supposed to work 12 hours every day, the day that I need them for 18 hours, I'm not going to have them. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's really just knowing treating everyone, you know, not just as humans, but as friends and, and, and you can tell some people just want to be on set. So like, yeah. <laughs> and, and if they want to work, then I'll work them. And if they, but you know, and being in tune with your crew, mm-hmm. like judging, you know, you can tell when people are having bad days, you can tell when, you know, somebody needs some time. And, and, and I think as I get older, I'm, I'm better able to read that. Uh, and man, everybody's going through something yeah. and, and being able to judge and read people, what people are going through. And I love having a, a good, strong work ethic, but it also can be intimidating to the people that don't or think, well, what do I like? I have to be doing that because he's doing it. Yep. <laughs> and, and I don't like, you know, I want to make sure in their expectations of, of like, even if, if your call time is six and mine's at nine, chances are I'm still beating you in. Mm-hmm. It's not that anyone's <laughs> doing anything wrong. I just, you know, that's just how I work. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's making sure that they feel comfortable in their expectations and then supporting them either way. Yeah. If you show them the support when, you know, Hey, we're done, go home at eight hours. Mm-hmm. Then, then the days that it's like, all right, this is going to be a long day. Like, you know, you, you, you have the support from your crew and that you're just not trying to just overload it just because, Hey, I paid you for 12 hours. You're going to sit here for 12 hours. Yeah. You know, just exist for the next four hours yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Or do busy work. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's awesome. Um, I feel like that's one. that's almost the exact conversation I've had, um, with people like that I brought on. I have a community manager that works here and she was like seeing me come in like two hours before her, she's leaving. But at like 5 PM when I'm like, you're here from nine to five, I don't care. Like just get your work done in there. And also like how I have it set up is like, what I've learned is someone told me hire for the outcome. So like, I'm not hiring, like if you can, if you need to work nine to five to get it done, I'm just asking you to get this job done. And if you can get it done earlier, you know, then get it done earlier. But also like when I'm here until six or seven at night and you're starting to walk out at five, just leave right at five. Don't like kind of walk on eggshells and be like, am I good to leave? Are you going to judge me for walking out of here early? It's like, no, you're good. Your job was done. Um, and that's an, I think it's an awesome way to look at it. And I think it's one thing that I've definitely learned from you too, is like, um, kind of setting those expectations to be like, well, I'm going to be here working, but I'm not, I'm not doing this in a way to make it, make you feel bad for not being here. This is just what I have to do. And this is how I work. Right. Um, and I also didn't realize that a lot of the, the Jack of all trades thing is something that you've done. I feel like with me as well is like, I've never had you ask me for other than when it was my job to help carry stuff up a hill. <laughs> but like, you've never asked me to really do any construction type work. Cause it's not my thing. But anytime it comes to like camera stuff and like, that's when you're like, you're like, this is your role. This is what I need your help with over here. Even though I'm always willing to be like, I'll help you with whatever you need me to do. I can lift heavy things, but it's like, you've never actually called me over. And I, I think I never even realized that's kind of what, maybe that's what you were doing was, that's just not your role. I have someone that's their role to do that. Right. And, and it's, you know, by saying that it's also using your friends and your network. And if you use your friends 
that are great use them at what they're great at Mm -hmm. and as opposed to using them for what they're good at and and then when you need them for the great part you're like man i i just i just did this this and this for you oh yep and (laughs) and and i'll have a quick story on, on that i so i'm a huge baseball fan so when i work around the country i have connections for for lots of things and i try the one thing I try to keep up are my baseball connections. Mm-hmm. So every April I send a written card to every connection I have in major league baseball for every team, every, every person that I know that works in major league baseball, I send a card, you know, saying, Hey, however they finished last year, hope it's looking good for this year and hope you finish right behind the Yankees. You know, that's what, <laughs> and, and I've, in the, in the last five years, I've sent every one of those cards. I haven't asked a single one of them for a ticket because I haven't been in their town, but I've still sent that card and I've still kept that communication. And, and you see it come out. I have these teams begging me to come to games mm-hmm. and we can give you <laughs> tickets. I was like, I no, I'm, I know, but I don't like, <laughs> and, and it is because I mean, there's, there's people that I can look at my phone and, and see a name and think, okay, what do they need? Mm -hmm. I, they either need football tickets. They like, they don't call me to be like, Hey, how's it going, man? (laughs) Saw this happened. Yeah. Just checking up on you. Mm -hmm. It's, and I never want to be that person. I want to be the person that, that people know they can call on me and be like, Hey, we're in a bind. I know, you know, this cause I know a lot of people and I get that mm-hmm. and I want to help as many people as I can with my contacts, but I never want to abuse my contacts. I, yeah. I don't want, I never want a contact to open up and eat my name to come up in an email and then be like, ah, what now? What, it, what mm-hmm. now? <laughs> and because I, I'm the worst, I, I, that happens to me all the time. Like it, something will come up and I'm like, oh, what, what now? What do you, what do you mm-hmm. need now? And and it's never a, you know, it's a certain group of people, but it's never like, Hey, just wanted to let you know, I came up with this and wanted, you know, wanted to see if you wanted it. It's mm-hmm. always just needing and needing. Yep. So reaching out to those people when you don't need something mm-hmm. is, is key. And, and in your friend group, you need to do the same thing. You need to reach out to them when it's just Tuesday and, you know, Life's hard, and if you can just take your friend's group and divide it out to where you know you're you're speaking to your friend group and the people that you care about the most once a month, and and be, be and because you really have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people look at my life and like, man, that guy's got the life. Like, and and I love my life. But that doesn't mean I'm constantly going through stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like, e- even with, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, I have a very good friend that lost his daughter to suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's hard to swallow. And, and it's, and, you know, she was a, you know, collegiate cheerleader. Beautiful. You, you from the outside... 
no one would think anything was wrong, but like mm-hmm. you just what she was going through and just thinking like, man, is there that one person that if I could reach out that it would have saved them or can change what they're doing, then, you know, it's, I, I'm never going to be, you know, the, you know, the talkative support group ever, mm-hmm. but I, I can always be like, Hey man, anything you need? Are you good? You know, what's, what's up? Mm-hmm. And, and sadly it, it took, you know, that suicide to really like say, Hey man, I like, I hadn't checked in with him for quite some time and now I, now I do. And, and, mm-hmm. but it, it can't, you, it can't be just reactionary. It needs to be okay. proactionary. It needs to be before you found out something bad happened. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, once the, once something bad happens, yes, the whole world's reaching, mm-hmm. reaching out, but there's, it's too late. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, it, it's just a, a quick, you know, and it's not just family, it, it, it's friends. It's, it's the people you think are doing the best probably need you the most. Mm-hmm. And, and because the people that are down, people can see that and it's visual and they react. Yep. But when somebody looks like they're the happiest they've ever been, mm-hmm. you know, that proactionary part isn't there. It's not a, yep. Hey man, just checking up on you. It's because you just assume, oh shit, he's living, living his best life. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that, that'll be my quick get serious moment. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like that's one thing that I've definitely started valuing a lot more recently is just like, I think relationships are like all that really matter in life. Like a weird thing to put it is like, I feel like that's at the end of the day, that's what kind of what everything is based around and like what's the most important. And like one way that I've actually started getting intentional with it is like sending gratitude text. It's like letting people know like, hey, I appreciate you, appreciate what you do for me or, you know, whatever it might be. And then also doing, you know, the congratulate, console and compliment, you know, just let people know like that's, those are just things that I kind of like intentionally try to make sure that I, I think about because I, I don't think I was doing a good job. Of, like, I don't think I was being a good friend to people um, and I didn't have anything happen, but it was just one of those things that I started realizing is like in my head, I'm thinking all these things, but for some reason I'm not actively being vocal about it. And I'm realizing it's actually more important to let people know, hey, this is actually what I think. And this is actually, you know, checking in on you and all those things I think are super important. And I don't know what switched, but it was just one of those things that I think I just started to realize was like, you have to let people know how you how you feel. And like the relationship building, I think is the most important thing. And that's one thing that I love about this podcast is like being able just to talk to people. And I feel like a lot of questions like what we're talking about would take a long time. It would be one of those like, midnight we've had a couple titos and red bull and i don't think deep. we would have ever got to this <laughs> no exactly I, I, we yeah. would have and so it is like i agree with you this yeah. this is fan i mean you and i probably would have never got to a level of, of speaking of of that mm-hmm. you know being you know for lack of better terms vulnerable about you know hey i'm just not good at being a friend and i'm getting better yeah and so yeah i, I mean your podcast brought that out so it's <laughs> it's uh definitely, you know, is a good thing. And I mean, to put it onto you, like I am so impressed by what you have done and worked your way through television, worked, you know, created your own name. You know, I really had zero to do with it. Like (laughs) it's a, 
you know, introductions are all it took and you ran with it and Mm -hmm. you, you know, took that. And then you were also able to judge when, okay, like I need a break. I, you know, I've got to, you know, I've got a wonderful wife. I need to be home. I need, and being able to, you know, know when you need the breaks and like, you know, making a whole career shift and that being just as scary, Mm-hmm. but you did it and then and then you knew like when you needed another shift and and you're not not scared to be like hey i'm i'm still working at figuring out what i'm great at and yeah. i there's zero doubt in my mind you're going to be great at things mm-hmm. and this you know, like you're you know this this to me is a wheelhouse for you 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 get along with everybody you can talk with everybody but you also know how to produce things and, and, mm-hmm. and you, you like and are able to produce quality really, no matter what you do, it's, it's going to be quality. So if you, you know, in, in choosing the podcast, you know, you're going to be able to take my ramblings <laughs> and cut it down to a very quality, you know, podcast. I have no doubt mm-hmm. even. And so you know, the, the good that comes out of, of what you're creating, you know, is, you know, like you said, you, you, you may never know that this podcast that you're doing has the people that it's actually helped. Yeah. That have taken knowledge from it and, you know, whether they reach out or not, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're putting it out there and you're, you're have the ability to help people and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're running with it. And, I appreciate that. Um, and that's so, what a lot of people have asked me, like, well, are you going to try to make money from it or anything? And I'm like, no, like, this is all I'm wanting out of it. It's just like this. And kind of what you said is like being able to put all this out there and let people know, like, this is what these people do with their 24. Like, you can do it as well. You know, and I think that's one of the most important things is just trying to help people understand, like, you can really do whatever you want in this world. With it, especially with how much I've pivoted in my life, I've started to realize is like, one, it's not, it's never really the end of the world. You can pivot and change. And if something's not working, don't be afraid to change it and don't be afraid to pivot and know when to pivot whenever it's getting hard. And I think I'm still pivoting to this day. You know, who knows what in the next, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I had this conversation the other day about how I got, got working in TV at 18, got out at 23. Basically, I mean, I still date play on stuff just whatever, but for like full time. So six years, basically, or seven years. Wait, that's bad math. Five years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, that's probably the longest I've actually stayed in something since then, you know, since 23. And now I'm 27. It's like I've pivoted almost every year and a half or two years since then, just trying to figure out what works, you know, and maybe the answer is go back to TV. I don't know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, um, you know, I don't know. It's like being able to figure it out is a lot, but it's only been 10 years since I've even been out of high school. Right. You know? And so it's like, who knows what the next 10 years are going to look like. And it's just wild how fast stuff, things can change. Um, and then also like what your life can look like, you know, the perfect example is when I did start in TV is graduating high school in May and by September working on a, you know, reality television show. Like that's a huge switch. And you know, that was only a couple months. Right. So, yeah. And it's, it's funny kind of, Talking it out, like, I mean, I, I pretty well had my trajectory, like, all right, 
I'm just consulting. I'm rarely going to be on set. I'm going to get the ranch going. We're booking more stuff. So since I'm going to be home, I can go ahead and book it. And then literally this morning got a call about being a part of the biggest television show in the United States. <laughs> and it's like, huh. huh. Well, things are well, changing. Well, this is, this is a decision maker. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, and so it is. It's like, okay, like, you know, it, it's time to really, okay, am I, am I going to do this? Am I going to make the ranch, you know, really get my time sunk into it and do what it's going to take to make that, be a, a viable source of income, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, is turning down the biggest call you, you know, can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just funny how life, you know, yesterday I, there was zero doubt in my mind. I was nothing but consulting. Wouldn't, there's no show that could get me back. Mm-hmm. And then get a phone call this morning. They're just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's now, things now, are changing. now something to <laughs> definitely think about, but, yeah. But, you know, and then it's also like knowing that, okay, next Thursday I have a Zoom that, you know, I've got to come up with answers. And Mm -hmm. and in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, I need to figure out what what role I can play on that show that still lets me be at home and be with my wife and be with my kids and grandkids and, and, and yet still be a part of the biggest show on TV and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and send, you know, the right crew there. And, and so it's, you know, luckily this podcast won't come out for quite some time, but yep. you know, it's, <laughs> it, you know, there's, when you are a select group of people that have produced the biggest build show in the world, mm-hmm you can't really just start over with it and they tried and it did not go well. So now they're figuring out, okay, yes, we're, we'll bring it back. Mm -hmm. We also have to bring back the best crew in the, on in the world to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it is like, you know, you can think you have it all figured out and then, you know, (laughs) one phone call, one, one, anything can change everything in a second. And, you know, it's, pivot away so yeah how have you navigated that with like your wife and friends and family and everything it's tough um it's tough being gone um the biggest thing with the girl you know my girls are all grown up and have their own lives and Mm -hmm. live in kansas city and atlanta and and so you know it's as they grew up it got a little easier you know it sucked missing you know, basketball and volleyball and soccer and, Mm -hmm. and having to fly home every Friday to catch the game, but you already missed Tuesday's game. And, and so, you know, that, that was tough, but you know, the trade-off was all summer long. They got to be all over the country, you know, on TV sets and, and doing things they never could have done, Mm -hmm. you know, had, had I not be doing what I was doing. So it's, you know, and there were there were times that I'm like, man, I, I'm just tired of being on the road and tired of of doing this. And you know, I would look at you know local job opportunities, and and I thought, man, like, there's no way I can sit at a desk for one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, okay, that eliminates that. And but it even like, yes, I'm 
excellent at build television, but that doesn't mean I'd be excellent at working for a construction company. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just a, such a different animal. And it's like, yes, I can, I can join a production team and a construction team together and get them to work easily. Mm -hmm. But as far as going to just be a construction guy and a project manager for, you know, a build like, Hey, really, it's not what I want to do. So am Mm -hmm. I really going to put in the effort and the time needed to be great at it when it's not something I'm fully dedicated to. Mm-hmm. And so I've just, you know, never, you know, and so now I am, I am at a spot. Yes. My, my ranch for that retreat. Yes. I can be a hundred percent dedicated there. I have to, you know, Devon has to yell at me to like, Hey, you know, we eat dinner, right? Like we, <laughs> like I'm hungry Yeah. <laughs> or I ate without you four hours ago. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, there's zero, like it, you know, I have the dedication and to the ranch that I, that I don't have to, you know, worry about if I'm, you know, working for Joe construction company or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the challenge is, you know, doing, you know, at, you know, life in general is hard enough. Like, yeah. and so adding, you know, challenges on top of challenges to that, you know, w- without a hundred percent support of, you know, Devon and family and especially the girls growing up. I mean, they, they were surrounded by so much family that like it, it wasn't like, Oh man, we, who's dad, you know, yeah. it was, you know, there was, there were always more people watching them play a sport than any, like, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. not a lack of support for them. So I couldn't have done it, you know, had Devon not been fully supportive, had my family been fully supportive, mm-hmm. it had never lasted. It, yeah. you know, or, you know, I had been alone and mm-hmm. on the road, you know, and, and so it, uh, you know, definitely, you know, w- without full support would have, would have never, never worked and lasted as long as as it has so yeah i know one question i mean this is going to pivot a little bit um one question i know people are probably thinking listening to this is like if someone wanted to get started in tv what's kind of the best advice you give to them i mean my it my advice is two words work ethic like i'm i'm like a parent's nightmare in that (laughs) if they want is that i'll and kind of like, I just, if going to college to work in television, to me just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain aspects that are different that you definitely can get more training, more in-depth training that you ever will on set. But for what I do in television, I'm going to hire you to the exact same position when you're 18 out of high school, as I will when you're 22 out of college, Mm -hmm. exact same position. And in that four years, what you've learned on set to be specific and you, and you know what you want to be after four years in college, you don't know that, you know, Oh man, being a grip sucks. Like you don't know that you, cause I, you know, my recommendation would be when you're 18 and you think you want to get into television, get into film, go do it and 
everyone starts as a PA, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a PA, like everyone starts, you know, helping somebody. But when you're doing that, then you can watch what everyone on that crew is doing. And you can be like, oh man, those camera guys, that's what I want to do. And then you can, after a month, like you, wait a minute, that, that audio guy sure has it easy. Maybe I want to do audio or, and then you get to see everything. And then, and then you find the good crews that, that, that want to help you along the way. And then they let you shoulder up on a camera. They let you, and then you really learn, okay, you know, maybe I'm actually a more of a story producer because that camera's Mm. heavy. And, and it's, <laughs> and just trying out all of the positions. And to me, it's also very valuable to know what everyone on your crew is, is going through that day. You know, it's, you know, they're, you know, uh, the DIT that you do, that to me would be the most stressful thing <laughs> I could ever think of doing on a, on a set. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for you, it's just, you just do it and knock it out and it's done and it's, stick it on a plane and it's there like to me i would be stressed out about it nonstop. and so it's not to think about it (laughs) so so it is like getting on getting on set getting getting your foot in the door and showing that you are a dedicated hard worker and you can work in television for as long as you want to Mm -hmm. i'd agree with that and i think i was super fortunate to get on bar rescue as my first show that was kind of a bigger crew and so it was a little bit more departmentalized and I remember, like, because I was 18 and everyone kind of wanted to take the young green guy under their under their wing. And I remember going to, um, you know, start out, I would help the producers out and help the story producers do their thing. And then I switched over and I went to the grip truck, you know, and I was helping those guys out a little bit, move stands around. And then, you know, from there, I did a couple overnights, you know, with Chip and Heather on, you know, the remodel days and all that stuff. And I started seeing kind of this whole world. And then I finally kind of landed in the camera department. And I'm like, I think this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. And this is what I really enjoy. Um, so I feel like that's incredible advice too, is like, I remember being in New York city, helping the production manager go through staff me up listings. And I was helping choose who we were hiring and the people that I was calling and helping with were from full sale university, you know, the classic and, and they're telling me you know, they're DPs and stuff. And I'm like, buddy, you're a PA. So right. if you want to make 200 bucks <laughs> a day, like, you know, that's, I think that's what the rate was for New York city is like, you want to make 200 bucks a day and then, uh, you know, we can hire you. And I'm a guy that's been here for since Tuesday, basically, and I'm straight out of high school. Right. And you just, you know, and I think that's where I started learning the power of just one, it's who, you know, but also like understanding where you want to land and stuff. Um, And also, I didn't realize that people in New York City didn't have driver's licenses. And that was one of the things I had to ask (laughs) a question of because I'm from Kansas and I was like, "Uh, you're 26 and you don't have a driver's license. And he's like, no, I walk everywhere. And I'm like, well, that's a we need that for this show. So good luck. You might want to go get one of those. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but no, that's awesome advice. Well, I think that's all I got. Unless right. there's anything else you wanted to. No, I, this has been it's yeah. been great. Yeah, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, now I'm I'm just gonna have to get on social media now and just start you know breaking gonna, all the rules that I don't yep. know what exists. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 